Turn your Bibles today to Philippians chapter 1. Uh, I'm excited to start this new series today and um, just share with uh, you guys over the next four weeks uh, what, what I believe God is saying to us out of this great book. And uh, so this summer we were actually taking two books and we're going to go through these books uh, from now until the end of the summer. Uh, this month we're going to be going through Philippians and uh, uh, the next two months we're going to go through Romans. And so it's going to be a good time. I'm excited about it. Uh, this morning... Um, in case you didn't know, the Rock and Roll Marathon is going on, and I would love to tell you that I ran it, and now I'm here, uh, but that's not true. Uh, but I, I kind of did have a part in it, because my brother-in-law spent the night with us last night, and, uh, and I got up at 4.30 in the morning to take him up there to where the marathon starts, and so I feel like I kind of have a part in it, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm running this thing with him, all right? And so I, I kind of feel it already, you know, I'm getting a little tired, but um, I was hoping to come back and go to bed, um, but I'm one of those people that once you wake up, um, I'm up. And so, so I took him up to the marathon. My wife went with, uh, with him to the marathon expo at the convention center on Friday, and uh, she texted me as soon as she walks in, walked in. She's like, oh, you should have come. This thing is awesome. They're giving away all these free healthy samples of stuff and, and whatnot. And she's texting me throughout the thing. As she's walking out, she texts me. She goes, I think we should run a marathon. <laughs> now, we've never ran a marathon before, so I'm like, maybe we could start with like a 5K, a half marathon, the treadmill, something, you know, are you with me? Maybe we could just start somewhere, get up, walk in the morning, but she's all like amped up, she wants to run a marathon, and, um, and so you never know, we, we might be there. So I dropped off my brother-in-law this morning, I come back, I can't sleep, so I turn on the TV, and at 4.30 in the morning, there's really nothing on except for infomercials. All right, and so I'm watching the infomercials, and this one here we are, marathon, right? And I have this one infomercial is on the PX90. Have you guys seen that one? And it's like they're showing this one guy all flabby, and then 90 days later he's just ripped, you know? And so I'm thinking marathon, I'm already thinking exercise. Here's the infomercial on PX90, and I'm like, I need to buy this, you know what I mean? I'm like, you know, I almost picked up the phone and dialed. It just took so much self-control not to do it. Um, because, I mean, just the impressive results. But all of a sudden it dawned on me and it said, you know what? If you do any kind of exercise for 90 days straight, you're going to get results. Are you with me? Just buying the PX90 isn't going to make me look like that. You've actually got to do it. Are you with me? And so all of a sudden I'm sitting there at 4.30 in the morning thinking about buying the PX90. You know, because, I mean, it's, it's like a $400 value. But if you call in the next five days. <laughs> you can get it, plus we'll throw it. And, uh, and so I was just so tempted, but I was just like, you know what, why don't I just get up and exercise for 90 days straight and see what happens before I go spend $400 on something called the PX90. As I was thinking about, though, you know, the same is true when it comes to your spiritual walk. Um, just, just, just coming to church once a week, once a month, um, isn't going to get you in shape, all right? Because here's the thing, as I saw that PX90, and I thought, just by buying it, I'm going to be healthy, Right? But no, you actually have to do it. And the same is true in the kingdom of God. Okay, just by calling yourself a Christian, you're not going to be a Christian, all right? You actually have to apply some things to your life. And I believe this, and I was watching that this morning, I believe this with all my heart. If we take the truths and the principles we're learning in church, learning from the Bible, and we just simply apply them to our life and actually do them, okay? It's not just enough to talk about exercise, you know? Uh, you have to do it. It's not just enough to talk about the kingdom of God and the principles. We actually got to apply them to our lives. And I felt like God would say this to Urban, hey, let's try this for the next 90 days. Okay, let's, let's try this for the next nine days, all right? And then we'll go to day 10, day 11, day 12, okay? If you actually begin to apply these things, like Mel was talking about when it came to tithes and offerings, okay? It is so true. When you give your tithes, okay, and I know people have done this before. I'm going to try that. They gave their tithes and nothing happened. Okay, the principle is, is the same. You've got to keep doing it. 
And as you keep applying the principle in your life, guess what? God really will open up the windows of heaven over your life and pour out a great blessing, okay? It's true in every area. If there's something in your life that you're dealing with, uh, maybe whether it be an anger issue, whether it be, you know, maybe lack of self-confidence or, or whatever it might be, as you continue to apply the Word of God daily in your life, I guarantee you, you will see results, all right? You will look like the flabby guy at the beginning, Come on, somebody. And then you'll look like the ripped person at the end. Okay, how many all want to get ripped this summer? Come on, in the kingdom of God. All right? Somebody like, I'm not sure. Okay. Well, I tell you that because I'm excited to begin to go through this book. Because I believe this. As we begin to apply the truths and the principles out of God's word, specifically out of Philippians this month, I believe you're going to see greater joy in your life. How many of you guys want more joy? More happiness? All right? How many of you guys don't want that at all? You want to be just angry people? All right, you're at the wrong church. Uh, let me read you our platform scripture for the whole entire series. Uh, we actually have memory verse in the program you got. And uh, so we would love for you to memorize that. It's an easy one. Um, and it says this. It's an easy one, but it's a good one, okay? And some of us need to repeat this daily. Rejoice in the Lord always. Don't stop there. Again, I will say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Memorize that memory verse, okay? Maybe you already did right there in those 30 seconds, okay? And just begin to apply that in every situation in your life. When you don't feel like rejoicing, just remember this verse. <laughs> rejoice, okay? When you're upset with your spouse, just remember this verse. Not that that would ever happen. But if it does, okay, remember this verse. Let's read chapter 1 together, and then we'll get right into today's message, and then we'll oh, eat some barbecue together. Philippians 1, starting in verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all the affection of, with all the affection of Christ Jesus. And in, is in my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Now, I don't know if you've noticed something, but Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus is a common theme throughout chapter 1. It's actually a common theme throughout the Bible as well. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest of my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here uh, for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. rejoice. Isn't this fun? 
And I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. That is, is my eager expectation and hope that I will not uh, be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means uh, fruitful labor for me, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy. In the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to me of their destruction, but of your salvation. And that, that from God, for it is it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your work. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments together that God, you would speak to us uh, straight from your word today. God, we would discover the truths of Philippians over the next four weeks and specifically out of this chapter today in Jesus' mighty name. Uh, well, let me just set the book up for us real quickly, and I want you to pay attention to these things because they will come into play uh, today as well as down the road as we continue to look uh, at the book of Philippians. Uh, who is writing this book? I think it's obvious right here. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Verse 1. Okay? Paul is the one that's actually writing this book, but he gives credit to Timothy as well because as we read through the chapter, we see this, that there's a struggle in Paul. He doesn't know if he's going to live. He's in prison. He doesn't know if he's going to die. Okay? But if he dies, he's been working with a guy named Timothy, and he wants Timothy to take over and to continue to pro uh, progress the gospel. Okay? So he puts Timothy in this writing to establish him at a higher level, although Paul is in fact the one writing this. He gives credit to Timothy as well. Who is this book written to? It's written to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers, which are pastors, and the deacons, which are leaders within the church, all right? And so it's written to all the saints, it's written to the pastors of the church, and it's also written to the leaders. Now, let me just clarify, because we live in a very heavy Catholic culture, that when it says saints, it's not talking about the saints that they go in Catholicism, right? Okay, so it's not writing to Saint so-and-so of, you know, of healing, or Saint so-and-so of this, or Saint so-and-so. It's actually talking about Christians, okay? So when it says it's writing to all the saints of Philippi, it's saying all of those who are believers, all of those who are Christ followers, all of those who have accepted Jesus Christ into their heart, those are the saints. Now think about that. That's pretty cool, actually, okay? That, that, that the Bible calls us saints, all right? Because saints in Catholicism are held in high regard, right? I mean, it, it, I was watching this podcast um, a little while ago, and this pastor actually came out of Catholicism, and, uh, and, and so he knew what they had to go through in order to become a, a saint. One of the things that he said they have to do, and it's not an easy process, because you've got to go before quite a few people to become a saint. It's not an easy process. One of the things he says you have to do is you have to perform um, an after-death miracle, or a post-death miracle. I mean, here's my question. If you couldn't do a miracle while you were alive, 
Are you following me? How are you going to do one after? But here's the cool thing. The Bible calls us saints. Okay? Now, why is that so cool? Put that on your resume next time. Okay, if you're, if you're struggling to get a job and you just want to put your name, like, you know, Ben Brinkman applying for, you know, hamburger flipper at McDonald's, okay? No, no, I'm putting Saint Brinkman. Are you with me? Come on, that, that's for sure going to get you. I mean, how are they going to, I'm sorry, you know, how are they going to turn down a saint? Are you with me? I mean, next time, if you want to get into college or something like that, yeah, I'm a saint. Saint, anyway. Okay. It's written to all the Christians, all the believers. It's written to the pastors and the leaders. Where is this book being written from? It's being written from Rome, but I want you to take note of this because this will come into play. It's not just being written from Rome, but it's being written from prison in Rome. Paul is in prison and he's in Rome. Why is Paul in prison? Paul is in prison because uh, the Jews have rose up against Paul because they're not happy with the gospel he's preaching. They don't agree with it. And so they say, hey, he's preaching heresy. So they have him arrested. But when they have him arrested, Paul says this, hold on a second, I'm a Roman citizen, which he was. And because he was a Roman citizen, uh, back then that was, that was a good thing to be because then you couldn't be tried by anybody else other than the Romans. So the minute he declared that he was a Roman citizen, then he got handed over to the Romans, uh, which was good because the Jews would have got rid of him real quick, thus we wouldn't have this book that we're reading today. Okay? But he got handed over to Rome, and once he got handed over to Rome, he got caught up in the judicial system. Sounds like things today, right? He got caught up in the judicial system. Now he's literally been years in prison. Okay, He's trapped there, and so he begins to write these letters. He writes this letter. He, he writes the, the, the church at Galatia. He writes the church at Ephesus. He writes all these letters while he is in prison. Okay. When was the book written? It was written about AD 60, uh, which probably means nothing really, unless you're really tracking and you're really into studying the Bible and you're kind of tracking where things fall. Um, but this book is being written to the church in Philippi. Okay, Now, Philippi was a great city. It was a wealthy city. It was a well-known city. And it was actually a very prosperous city. It was actually a, 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 an okay city. It wasn't like the church, you know, the place in Ephesus where all this ungodly stuff was happening. Okay, this was actually a, a better place to live. Okay, It would be like living in San Diego. Praise Jesus. Okay. Amen. And so just think of, when you think of Philippi, just think of San Diego. It's beautiful, right? And so he's writing, he's writing them on about their 11th anniversary. Now, the cool thing about this book, or one of the cool things is this. When you read the other books of the Bible, like um, Ephesians, he's coming and he's correcting a lot of stuff. This is going on. This is going on. When he writes letters to Timothy, hey, Timothy, you need to address this, address this. When he writes the church at Philippi, he's actually joyful. And he's actually saying, guys, you're doing a great job. You guys, man, you've shared in this ministry with me. So this is an uplifting, encouraging book, and one I believe that will bring you joy as we go through it over the next couple weeks. Uh, what is the overall theme? Now, I'm just going to throw it out there. Uh, it's joy. Okay? The overall theme of this book is joy. Okay? And that's what we want to begin to talk about today is joy. Paul actually alludes in chapter 4 that he found how to have joy in every circumstance. He says this, whether I am afflicted or whether I'm abounding and everything's going great, I've learned this one thing, to have joy. I've learned how to have it. How many of you guys would like to have joy in everything you go through? Okay? Let me ask you this. How many of you guys do have joy in everything you go through? Wow! I don't yet, alright? Okay? My joy is still contingent on some things occasionally. Okay? I'm just being honest with you. We're going to discover today how we can have joy in every circumstance and situation. Okay? Why well, we want to talk about joy? Well, as you can see on the screen here, um, go back actually, if you could, to the main, the, just the main picture so we can see that clear. Just uh, look at that. Okay? 
Why do we want to talk about joy, and why are we calling it Dr. Philippians? Well, really, it's obviously just a play on words, but how many of you guys ever watched the show Dr. Phil? Okay? No, I don't do that. Everybody's seen it at least once, whether it was for five seconds, or you watched the whole show, or whether you're an addict, like I know some of you are, okay? And uh, you, here's the thing with Dr. Dr. Phil. It's not really that entertaining of a show. There's really no entertainment factor to it. I mean, it's not like watching The Amazing Race or, you know, something like that. It's watching people with issues, okay? I mean, I can just look at my own family and see that, right? <laughs> just look next to you. You want to see issues? They're sitting right next to you right now, okay? There's issues wherever we go. So I'm, I'm thinking, man, but they made a show out of people's issues, okay? And so Dr. Phil comes on, and literally it's like an open counseling session, okay? I don't know what kind of waivers and stuff they have to sign to get on that show. I just know me, okay? I don't want everybody to know all my stuff, okay? Unless I guess they're getting paid big bucks, all right? And, or they're making this stuff up, whatever. But I don't want everybody to know my stuff. I don't want like, hey, I'm going to counseling today with my wife. Can you guys all sit in on it? Yeah. You know? And, you know, they you know, come off and they think, that would just be like, what? You know? You know. <laughs> I want God to deal with my stuff. And then if that doesn't work, yes, I'll go to counsel with you guys. Okay. And so it's like this open counseling session. You get to watch this thing, right? And I've come to this conclusion. Because there's no, there's no entertainment value to it, the reason people watch the show is for one of two reasons. One, it's because they realize something. Dr. Phil is trying to help these people because they're not content where they're at, which is why you would go get counseling in the first place. I'm not happy with the way my life is. I'm not happy with the way, you know, my children are behaving. I'm not happy with my marriage. I, I have no joy on my job, you know, whatever it is. And so Dr. Phil comes along and tries to get them out of their dysfunction so they can have joy, right? Because it's what everybody wants. We want to be, we want to be more happy, okay? Want more joy. And so what happens is, is people can relate to their specific issue or problem, and so they watch it and to see if Dr. Phil can help them out, because if Dr. Phil can help them out, maybe I can apply those things to my life, and therefore I can have more joy, right? Okay? That's one of the reasons why people watch it, okay? Um, another reason why people watch it is this, is because they've got some junk going on, but when they watch Dr. Phil, they see how bad their junk is, that they actually feel better about their junk. Right? I mean, come on, how many of us do that? Okay? We look how bad our life is, and then we come to church, and we realize, <laughs> we realize how bad somebody else's life is, and we feel better about ourselves. Okay? What does it do? It takes your eyes off of your stuff for a little while, and puts your eyes on somebody else's dysfunction, you're like, hey, I'm not that bad. And you feel happy for a little while, until the next morning, and then you've got to watch Dr. Phil again, <laughs> and see somebody else's dysfunction. People want joy in their life. That's why antidepressants right now are the number one sold drug in the U.S. Number one sold drug. More than any other drug, antidepressants. 118 million people on them. Why? That's a lot, isn't it? Why? Because they want to get... Now, obviously, there are circumstances and seasons where medication is needed. I hear my heart. Okay? The reason that people are so drawn to it so quickly and so easily because they want joy. People want to be happy. I mean, here's Superman. Come on, somebody. We found a behind-the-scenes photo of Superman, okay? He's laying on the green couch waiting for his session, okay? Because saving humanity isn't bringing him enough joy. Okay? Even Superman has some issues now and then, okay? And here he is, and he needs some help, okay? Now, how many know if this Superman needs help? Come on. Come on, we, we might need some help as well. People are looking for joy. They want joy. What's the definition of joy? Let me give it to you. The emotion of great delight. I think it's on the screens too. 
The emotion of great delight or happiness caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying. Keen pleasure, elation. This is the definition of joy. People want joy. Matter of fact, the Declaration of Independence, if we could throw that up there, uh, listen to this. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal and women. That they are endowed with, uh, by the Creator with certain unalienable rights. What are those rights? Come on, here we go. Here's the rights. That among these rights are life. Y'all alive? Okay, get that one. Liberty. Are you free or at least think you're free? Okay. And the pursuit of happiness. And now let me just tell you what that's saying. Here's what it's saying. Hey, you are guaranteed life. You are guaranteed freedom. Happiness, good luck finding it. You, you have the right to pursue that, but we're not necessarily saying you're going to have it. Well, we'll give you life, we'll give you liberty, but you're going to have to pursue happiness. So literally, people are pursuing it. They're pursuing it through jobs. They're pursuing it through money. They're pursuing it through relationships. They're pursuing it through religion. They're pursuing all these different things. They want to find joy. What are the two, two ways that, that, that people first begin to look for joy? Number one, people begin to look for joy through culture. What do I mean by culture? People begin to look for joy by what culture says will bring you joy. Okay, next time you're checking out at the grocery store, just look to your right, see the magazines right there, okay? You will find like 3,000 ways to have joy in your life. You know what I'm talking about, the magazines? Because each magazine has like a 1,000 of them. Right? If you just do these things, or if you just buy this, or if you just have that, and if, if you have any flipped through those before, or is it just me? Okay? I'm just curious every once in a while, like what, what, what are they what are they telling us? What are they trying to sell us? Alright? If you get a bigger TV, you will have joy. I actually just traded my TV in. Uh, I won't tell you where and how I do it, but I traded my TV in. I, I get a new TV like every every two to three years. Warranties are the best things in the world, by the way. And I just got this new one, okay? And my old one had, uh, if you know anything about television, they had a, a, the ratio, which is the little, little pixels, right, was, was, was 100,000 to one, which was really good when I got it like three years ago, right? And, and my TV started acting up, so I went to trade it in, and sure enough, they gave me a new one, but because the prices on television has come down, I got this new one, and the, ask, uh, the, the ratio is three million to one. <laughs> 100,000 to one, three million to one. Big difference. Those that have come over and watched my TV will, will tell you this. It's almost like watching three. It's almost like you're there. I'm not even lying. It's a trip. I mean, you can uh, just, just ask them. Have you watched Ben's TV? You know? It's crazy. Okay, Cody, you know, he, he was over last night. Then night he was watching. He's like, dude, your TV trips me out. It's like, it, it took me like three weeks to get used to it. I kept wanting to grab the people in the television. They're like, oh, what's your problem? Okay? <laughs> but man, it brought me such joy for about 24 hours. And then it actually kind of started annoying me because I was having a hard time getting used to how crisp it was. I was like, oh, you know, okay? I, the TV didn't work, okay? I, I, I wanted a Jeep Wrangler for so long, okay? I mean, literally from the time I was 17 till January of 2009, which I finally got my Jeep Wrangler, praise Jesus, okay? I wanted one. I mean, I, I remember I'd spend hours just looking for them online and just thought to myself, if I could have that, then my turn. Okay. Now you're laughing, but some of you have thought the same thoughts before. Okay? <laughs> and I finally got my Jeep Wrangler, four-door. It's awesome. I love taking the top down. And my, my, my little paper, she's five. She's like, Dad, when can we take the doors off? I haven't done that yet, so it's going to be like a new adventure. I know when I do that, then I'll have joy. <laughs> but I got 
this thing. And it brought me joy for like a month. And then it's just like another car. Except for then like in the summertime, then I take it down and it's like at the top down like a brand new car. So like, it like brings me joy, you know, for a month every six months. You know what I mean? Change it up. So. <laughs> culture says get more stuff. Get another relationship. And so culture says things like this. You're not, I mean, this is so crazy. You look at these things and the reason you, you, you don't, you're not joyful is because you need to get married. And then you get married, and you realize that the person's really not there to serve every, you know, thing that you need. <laughs> you discover that, like, day one of marriage. And they discover it, too, and then there's a conflict. Like, well, I thought you were going to serve me. I thought you were going to serve me. You know? Okay? And so then you're not happy. You finally get married, and you get what you want, and it's like, well, this isn't really what I wanted. Okay? And then the next day, you look at the magazine thing, and it's the same magazine, but it's got a different principle. The reason you're not happy is because you're married. You need to, you know... <laughs> And then you get single again, you're all alone, and you're like, I was not married, okay? Because culture says, get more stuff. Have a relationship. Do this. You know, you'll really be happy when you start to have children. And then they become teenagers. And you want to trade them back in. Come on, somebody, okay? okay? So culture says more stuff, more things. This, this will bring you joy, okay? But, but that is so misleading, because here's the thing. If that brings you joy, if my television brings me joy... What happens when it breaks? I have a warranty. I'm going to trade you for anyone. <laughs> I'm joyful. Okay. If, if the relationship brings you joy, what happens when the relationship's gone? Okay. It's just so misleading. It's so deceiving. But this is the way that, that people try to find joy. People try to find joy through spirituality or religion. Okay. Now, this is, this is a scary one. Because once we've gone through all that culture has to offer, then we think, well, because culture focuses on the uh, uh, external things. Have this, do this, and, you know, you know, you know have stuff and relationships, do something to the, the body, you know. I mean, there's people that ran the Rock and Roll Marathon today that they're thinking, man, I just want to run a marathon, and I'll feel accomplished. They'll run the marathon, they'll be like, man, I'm really tired. <laughs> they'll feel all that accomplished, okay. But spirituality does this. See, where culture focuses on the external, spirituality focuses on the internal. I did all that. I have the TV. I have the Jeep Wrangler, but I'm still not happy. Maybe I'm missing something on the inside. And so we go on this journey for spirituality, which if you look at the magazines on the right-hand side next time, you'll find stuff about spirituality too. Okay? Which is amazing the people that can write about spirituality and people are actually doing it. You know, like Jessica Simpson. Why would everyone listen to any of that? If you are, I'm sorry, okay? And, and so we want to do this because if I do this, then I feel better about myself. Here's the scary thing about this one, okay? Where the other one catches you up in this vicious cycle of, you know, the house was good, but now I need a bigger house. You know, my house had a pool, but now I think seven pools would be better, okay? Then it gets you caught up in this cycle, and then we're in debt, and now we're depressed, and what do we do, okay? This cycle gets you in the, the, the religion will get you in this thing of, of doing things. I have to do this in order to feel good about myself. These are scary people to be with. Oh, yeah. Because if you don't let them do what they think they have to do, they get angry at you. I'm serious. It's so true. It's like I, I've had people that, you know, they just want to, they, they want to buy me a cup of coffee. And I think they're just being nice. But, and you know, oh, you want to buy, that's not, I'm not drinking coffee today. And I'm like, what? I'm not drinking. No, you, you need a cup of coffee. Why, why don't you get if I buy you this cup of coffee, I'm going to feel really good about it. But I don't want coffee. You don't want coffee. <laughs> Those are crazy people to be around. You know what I'm talking about? Okay? They have to do something in order to feel, feel, feel that joy on the inside. 
And this is a vicious cycle. So now they're just running around trying to be people pleasers. Okay? This is where they, they find joy. Man, that'll wear you out. Okay? If you do these two things, you'll be broke and worn out. Okay? You don't even need to run marathon. Okay? So where, where then does true joy come from? Now listen to me, there's nothing wrong with desiring things. Like, yeah, that'd be really cool to have. But there's a difference to, to say this, that man, that'd be fun to have, or to say, I'm not going to have fun until I have that. Yeah. It's a big difference. Okay? And the problem is, is too many of us say that, man, I, won't, I won't be happy until. Okay? Big difference. It's okay to desire stuff. Okay? It's okay to want some things. But it's not okay to say that's where my fulfillment is going to be. What is Paul saying? Paul, is, Paul, Paul has come to the conclusion that this is joy. Now listen, if anything new, some stuff, it was Paul, okay? He's been through some stuff. He's lived some life, okay? Now listen to this. In verse 5, it says this, that uh, because of your partnership in the gospel from the verse, first day until now, what's he saying? Look at verse 4. I give joy. I have joy in prayer because of your partnership in the gospel. Paul is saying this, I think I've found something that if I focus not on myself, but if I focus on the gospel, if I focus on Christ Jesus, if I focus on others, then therefore I have true joy. Okay? He's saying that this is true joy. Uh, look at this one in verse 18. It's, it's partnership with the gospel. Look at this one in verse 18. Verse 18 says this, that what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Paul is saying, look, I found true joy. It's, 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 it, this, let me just boil down to this, this is true joy. I found true joy. Now understand something. Paul is writing this from prison. Okay? He's wrongfully accused. He's been caught up in the system for years. Okay? Now listen to this. This is how much joy this guy has as he reflects back to the church of Philippi. Remember, he's writing the church of Philippi. If you want to get more background on this, go read Acts chapter 16. As he thinks back to the church of Philippi, he's remembering all the things that took place there. What took place in Acts chapter 16 back in Philippi? There was, he met a woman named Lydia. And it was there that he led Lydia to the Lord. And many say that it was through Lydia that the gospel then pushed into Asia. Okay? And so he remembers this, and he's happy about that, once again, not reflecting on himself, but reflecting on Jesus and the gospel. What happened back in Philippi in Acts chapter 16? What happened was, is as he was going about his business, there was this one girl that kept harassing them, and she was demonized. And Paul turns around and gets the demon out of her, okay? And the girl is totally happy and ecstatic. Why? Because she's free from this struggle and this challenge. Uh, but now her master is ticked off of Paul and gets Paul thrown into prison. Okay? I spent a lot of time in prison, huh? So he's in prison. But guess what happens in prison? Him, him and Silas, Paul and Silas are in prison. The Bible says, and you want to talk about joy? Look at what they were doing in prison. They were singing. This is wild, man. Just, just go to spend some time in prison and see how many people are just singing for joy in your cells. Okay? You think the happiest place on earth is Disneyland? And they're singing. And the Bible says at midnight that, that the doors opened up, all their shackles and chains broke off, and they were free to go. And so they stood up and they started to walk out. The jailer freaks out. And he's like, no, you guys can't go. If you do, I'm going to kill myself. And Paul says, hold on a second. Don't do that. You don't need to do that. And guess what happens? Paul leads the jailer to the Lord. Not only the jailer, but the whole entire household. So as Paul is reflecting back, he's thinking about all of the things that happened to further the gospel. Look how joyful this guy is. 
And if you read the same verses I read today, this is how joyful this guy is. He's actually happy that he's in prison. He says things like this in the chapter we just read. He says things like, you know what? I'm in prison, um, but it's actually worked out for the good. Because I can actually, you know, write some letters now that I've been meaning to write. I've been meaning to write a few letters, see how you guys are doing. I'm actually just working out the further the gospel. So it's actually, don't worry about me. It's actually a good thing I'm here. And actually, he says this, that actually the gospel is increasing because I'm in prison. Not only is the gospel increasing because I'm in prison, that, but people are preaching with more boldness. Okay, how do you get this guy down, right? <laughs> now we're going to throw you in prison. Perfect, because I need a little vacation. I need to write a few letters. That would send out a few postcards. Perfect. You guys sell postcards here? You know, made a little jail cells for people. Okay. Just uh, kick a few out to my friends and my buddies. But it's up there, it actually goes on. And as you read on in the latter verses, it says this, that, that Paul is having an issue of whether or not he wants to live or whether or not he wants to die. Did you read that with me today? He says things like this in the scripture. He says, hey, you know, uh, it'd be really cool to die because then I get to go be with Jesus. But it'd also be good for me to stay because then I could help you guys out a little more. And he's at, read the scripture. He's actually wrestling back and forth. And I really don't know which one I'm going to choose. <laughs> Seriously, read it. Yeah, you know, because dying's good. Living would be okay. Not sure. He's wrestling back and forth. Let, let me ask you, how do you get a guy like that down? I mean, how do you, I mean, just think he's in prison. How do you punish Stop it or we're going to kill you. Okay. I, I, I've been wanting to meet Jesus face to face. What do you do with a guy like that, right? It means Paul has so much joy. Now listen to me, he's in prison. He has no flat screen television. He has no Jeep Wrangler. He has nothing. He's in prison, wrongly, but yet he has joy. He's found joy in knowing that he has purpose in Christ Jesus. He's found joy knowing that Christ is working in him. He's found joy knowing that Christ is working through him. Let's just bring it to a close right here. It goes back to verse 1. Right in verse 1, we catch the whole premise of Paul's joy. Right here. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. That right there sums up Paul's joy. I found joy in serving Christ Jesus. Because Paul understood this. And if you look at this in another translation, actually the better uh, word used there is slave. Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. Okay? Because whether you realize it or not, you are serving something. Okay? And whatever you serve is what you take on. It's what you work for. It's, 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 it's the reflection that is seen on you. And Paul understood this, that as I serve Christ Jesus, I take on Christ Jesus, and I do what He wants me to do. And as I do what He wants me to do, man, there's fulfillment, there's joy, there's satisfaction. So now, if we look at it this way, that my job really isn't a prison. <laughs> my job is a place for me to minister to people. How many of you guys ever looked at your job like a prison? You can't quit because you need a paycheck. But you don't really like the place you work. Okay, but you need a paycheck, and the money's decent, so, okay. Really what happens, if you look at it that way, you're serving your job. Okay. What happens if, if I find satisfaction in relationships? 
Well, if the only way I find joy is in relationships, then I'm actually serving a whole lot of people. Because I have to keep them liking me. So if they don't like me, I don't have a relationship, and on relationship, I don't have joy. Okay? If, if, if having thanks is, 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 is what makes brings joy in your life, well, I have to I have to keep working for the job I don't like in order to have money, in order to get the thanks. Because if I stop, I don't have joy. So I'm actually serving. Okay? But if my joy comes from Jesus Christ, if my joy comes first and foremost in having a relationship with him, Secondly, having him do something in me. And thirdly, having him do something through me. And my joy comes from there. The Bible says this. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never let you down. He bats like a thousand all the time. I mean, he, he, he never misses. The Bible says this in Psalm 16:11. In the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. Listen to me as we conclude. We're all serving something. And if your joy is not coming from Jesus Christ, you are not serving Jesus Christ. If your joy is coming from having this thing or that thing, maybe you're finding joy in culture. Now hear my heart. The Bible says he's given us all things we need for life and godliness. That he wants you to enjoy life. There's nothing wrong with the Jeep Wrangler or the 3 million to 1 ratio of television, okay? Come over and watch it. It's a lot of fun. But if that's where I'm finding my joy and my satisfaction and my fulfillment, then I'm going to be let down sooner or later. I, I, worked, I worked with single uh, young people for so long, both in youth and young at college age, and so many of them. And it's just so long, I just want to find that person and I want to get married. And I'm just like, hold on a second. If that's what you're waiting to feel fulfillment, it'll last about as long as your honeymoon does. And all of a sudden, reality will set in. You've got to find your fulfillment in Jesus Christ. You've got to find your fulfillment in knowing Him. This is Paul. This is Dr. Philippians. This is Paul telling us, here's what true joy. Knowing Him. Once you know Him, allowing Him to work in you. And once He's done the work in you, allowing Him to work through you. This is where true joy comes from. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is, is amazing. But I pray that today, God, for those that have, have maybe been struggling, God, in finding that joy, do me a favor just real quick. Just the band, don't you close your eyes. So then why do we close our eyes? I just want you to cut out every distraction. This is not an open counseling session. This is between you and God. Because here we are again on first Sunday. And man, we love blessing the community. And I love seeing people come and getting blessed. And we love giving things away. But listen to me. That stuff is not going to make you happy. That stuff might fulfill a momentary need. But listen to me, true joy. That's why Paul says in chapter 4, look, I can, I, I, can, I can suffer lack or I can have everything I need in the world. Doesn't matter. I can be in prison. I can die. This could have, that could happen to me. I found the place of truth of God. And it's in having a relationship with Jesus. Allowing Jesus to do something in me. So that Jesus can do something through me.